I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 4. That's not a book that we tend to go to, but it is a book that can speak to us in many ways if we take the opportunity to read behind the words to see why was that said. So our scripture will come from Deuteronomy 4. Will you pray with me? God, we just give you thanks for your holy word, for this privilege of studying it together. And God, now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. People are often concerned about legacies. What kind of legacy am I going to leave? What difference am I going to make? What impact do I make? And sometimes we're concerned about is it a a financial legacy or what kind of, of difference will we make? The other day we celebrated the life at a memorial service of one of our members. It was it was one of those amazing times. This, this gentleman was one of the, the nicest people you could ever meet. I always loved on a Sunday when he would come out and greet me at the end of the service. There was something about his eyes, the smile on his face. He was genuine. He was so glad to be here. He was so glad to be among people. He was so grateful for the privilege of worship. I enjoyed him dearly. It was a difficult time for his family, though. It was just earlier this year that their mother, this man's wife, had died, and I was with him at his wife's funeral. But then with some unexpected events, he too has now passed and been received into the loving arms of God. We're standing outside at the graveside doing the service. When his son stood up to share in part of the service about his dad. It was quite a statement that he was making, the relationships, the stories of growing up and the stories of his parents. They were married at 19 and 18. So throughout their lives, they had, they had spent their lives together. They had grown in their love together, their love for their families, trips that had been taken, memories that were shared This gentleman had been a very successful executive. He had provided beautifully for his family. His son is now a CEO in the same industry himself, doing very well. And you would think that would be the things they were wanting to pass down. But then the son changed the story. He said, but now I want to tell you what was really important to my dad. So I was anxious to hear what he was going to say. And he said, what was really important to my father was his relationship with Jesus Christ. What was really important to my father was his faith, that this was a vital part of who he is. And his legacy, the son said, his legacy is his faith that he passed down to us and now we've shared with our families and our kids. His relationship with God meant everything to him. I mean, he provided for his family physically, emotionally, with all the food, clothing, shelter, but more importantly, he provided for his family spiritually. He spent time talking about how his faith was his identity. 
the son talked about his love for the church and, and the church that they had been part of prior to moving into our community and the commitment they had there. And then when they moved to this church, wanting to immediately be involved with brothers and sisters in Christ, nurturing their faith, sharing their faith, growing in faith. It was who they were. It's who this man was. You see, legacy, it's not about what you say. Your legacy is the impact that you make. And the son was sharing his father's faith and his mother's. His father's faith was what really made the impact on his life. And he shared that dad wanted nothing more than for all of us to have this relationship with Jesus Christ that would change our lives and give us fulfillment in it. I was supposed to speak immediately following the sun, and I thought, well, what can I say now? So I will tell you, I was considerably brief because the son shared the testimony. The father had preached his own funeral throughout his life. What is the difference that we want to make. Following that service, I went up to the son and I said, I just want you to know your comments spoke to me probably more than to your family because it was great to hear his love and his passion for Christ, but it was beautiful to see how he passed it on to the next generation and the next generation. See, our faith it's our identity. Our relationship with Jesus Christ, being a Christian, being a disciple, it's who we are. It's not what we do. It's our identity. It's not our religion. I think maybe one of the challenges that so many people have today in our world with their spiritual walks and their spiritual lives is we tend to treat it as our religion, but it's our identity. It's part of who we are. Being a Christian is who I am. Being a minister, it's who I am. I don't get to punch that out. It's just part of my identity and my being wherever I am. In Deuteronomy 4, the people of Israel are preparing to enter into the promised land and God is wanting to make sure that when they move into this new land, they move in with their identity as the people of God and they not lose their identity as the people of God, a people that are set apart, a people that are distinct. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 5. See, just as the Lord my God has charged me, I now teach you statutes and ordinances for you to observe in the land that you are about to enter and to occupy. You must observe them diligently. For this will show your wisdom and your discernment to the peoples who, when they hear these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and discerning people. For what other great nation has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is whenever we call to Him? And what other great nation has statutes and ordinances as just as the entire law that I'm setting before you today. But take care and watch yourselves closely 
so as neither to forget the things that your eyes have seen, nor to let them slip from your mind all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children how you once stood before the Lord your God at Oreb, when the Lord said to me, Assemble the people for me, and I will let them hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me as long as they live on earth, and may teach their children so. You approached and stood at the foot of the mountain, while the mountain was blazing up to the very heavens, shrouded in dark clouds. Men and women, then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but you saw no form. There was only a voice. He declared to you His covenant, which He charged you to observe, that is, the Ten Commandments. And He wrote them on two stone tablets. And the Lord charged me at that time to teach you the statutes and the ordinances for you to observe in the land that you are about to cross and occupy. God is wanting the people of Israel to know as you enter this land, remember who you are, your identity. And not only are you to remember and never let these memories and your identity slip from who you are, but then pass this to your children Teach them these stories. Remind them of your testimony. Testimony is one of the greatest ways to share the faith, and that's simply when we share with someone else what our faith means to us, what God means to us, our relationship with Jesus Christ, and the impact that it has in our lives, and the impact we hope it will have in their lives. If you skip on over in Deuteronomy, you'll go to chapter 6 where you have the great commandment that God will share, that Jesus will share shortly. But Deuteronomy 6 verse 1 says this. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the ordinances that the Lord your God charged me to teach you to observe in the land that you're about to cross into and occupy so that you and your children and your children's children may fear the Lord all the days of your life. Have an awe and a reverence for God all the days of your life. And keep all His decrees and His commandments that I'm commanding you, so that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe them diligently, so that it may go well with you, and so that you may multiply greatly in a land that is flowing with milk and honey as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. This is the Shema. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I'm commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children Talk about them when you're at home and when you're away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. God really wants us to understand our identity and our, 
our being as Christians, as disciples, as the people of God who are set apart, meant to be different. See, our legacy, our legacy is not what we've said. It's not even an inheritance of things that makes the difference. The legacy that God is looking for us to be able to share with our children and our children's children is our faith. The good news of a God who so loves us and is so near when we call to Him, as Deuteronomy has said. Our God, who loved us enough, as we will learn in the rest of the story of our faith, who loves us enough to give His only begotten Son for us, to die for us that we might be forgiven and have everlasting life. We're called to pass this from generation to generation. I loved when my kids were little. It was one of the most favorite times of my life when my kids were small. I, I loved it when they were involved in sports. I loved when we would get up on Saturdays and we would head off to the various games and activities that they would have and, and we would watch them play, see the excitement on their faces when they won, walk with them through the challenges when they lost. They were involved in, in other kinds of things. Odyssey of the Mind was one of the programs that our kids were involved with growing up and we would travel. They would be part of these academic competitions and things that would be going on where they had to make a presentation, be able to defend it, show their work and their creativity. It was a lot of fun. We, we form our kids academically. We form our kids as they're growing up athletically. We form our kids as they're growing up socially. We want them to be around other kids. We talk to them about how to share and, and, and how to interact with other kids and other kids even that may be causing difficulties at times. We teach them how to be socially fit. But do we spend the same effort and time teaching our kids to be spiritually sound? to have their identity in their faith and in their being, the essence of who they are, that our relationship with Jesus Christ is not our religion, but it's who we are. It's our identity. In research with Barna, Barna did some research that said, most teenagers who have spent years attending church activities have not have not integrated their faith into who they are and how they live. Hmm. So the activities are important, but that's not the key. What is the key to passing down the faith? C.S. Lewis, a great theologian and writer, has said that the confusion among youth is in large part to their elders' failure to Teach them well. You see, it's not just about activities. It's about mentoring and teaching the faith. One of the things I share with our youth ministers and our youth ministry team here is that, that I, I want our kids to have fun. I think youth should be some of the most exciting times in, 
in a young person's life. I, I think it's great to go skiing. I think it's great to go rafting. I think it's great to go on retreats and events and to the beach and here and there and, and, and to play ultimate frisbee and to have all these other crazy things that our youth ministers could come up with that I have no gift of coming up with those creative ideas. But one of the things I shared is I want to make sure, though, we're not the activities director on some cruise ship. It's not just activities. Are we using those activities to become teachable moments, to form faith, to form disciples? And what is the role that we play in that? And what is the role that families play in really nurturing Nurturing Our Kids. Kendra Creasy Dean is a pastor. She's also the professor of youth, church, and culture at Princeton Theological Seminary. She wrote a great book. I encourage it. If you are a Christian with children or grandchildren or your nieces, nephews involved in someone's life, there's a book called Almost Christian. Almost Christian. The subtitle what the faith of our teenagers is telling the American church. And it's based on some of the research, incredible research that was done with many of our youth and their spiritual commitments. And some of the things that she shared is this. Since the religious and spiritual choices of American teenagers echo with astonishing clarity the religious and spiritual choices of the adults who love them, Lackadaisical faith is not young people's issues, it's ours. Wow. In other words, one of the things that she teaches is that we can look around sometimes at young people and go, I, I'm just disappointed they don't seem to be more committed and, and their religious faith and their walk with Christ is not more important to them. But what the research shows and what Dean is showing is actually they're simply modeling us. What is the legacy that we are then sharing? So she goes on to say, So we must assume that the solution lies not in beefing up congregational youth programs or making worship more cool and attractive, but modeling the kind of mature, passionate faith that young people want to have. She goes on to insist that it is vital for young people to see a mature and passionate faith modeled by adult leaders. In other words, we can say all day long that this is important to us, but if we don't live it, if they can't see, if others cannot see, that our faith is part of our identity and our being, our essence, it's who we are. It helps form everything I do, not only on Sunday, but also on Monday. If they can't see that, they are smart. Our youth are bright. And they're able to see that this faith doesn't seem that important, doesn't seem to have that level of an impact. There are other studies and models that she refers to that, that show that, that many of our youth understand when a church is focused on simply being a, a self-help kind of feel-better organization or one that is focused on discipleship, a relationship with Jesus Christ, 
a walk with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and a life that shows being a Christian is who I am. It's not simply what I do. She then shares from the study that parents, parents matter the most in the religious formation of their kids. The church is secondary. The church is where we come and we can learn more. It's where we can study more. It's where we can get the tools that we need. It's the booster shot that we need. But the parents and their relationship with Jesus Christ and teaching it in the home, that's what makes the difference. I mean, we spend a lot of time as parents. We did as well. Teaching our children how to catch a ball, how to hit a ball, how to throw a ball, how to kick a ball, how to run with a ball. But the task that we have really before us, the legacy that we want to leave our kids and our children's children is that we shared what was really important. And that's the essence of our being and that's our relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Dean said the task of parents who desire consequential faith for their kids is to introduce them into a way of life, not just a way of believing. Now, before you think this is just a message for parents, hold on, because this is not just parents. It's not only parents that then impact the next generation. Kara Powell is the executive director of the Fuller Youth Institute and the faculty member, a professor at Fuller Theological Seminary. And one of the things that she teaches, and you can look this up in numerous of, of her incredible writings as well, is that every youth needs five significant adults in their life. Not just their parents, but five significant mentoring, loving, being their adults for them in their lives to make a difference. So that's all of us. That's all of us. I think the challenge for us as we look at our world today is to ask the question, is what we see as a declining faith an issue with the younger generation? Or is it an issue with our generation who's passing that faith to them? A son stood up at his father's funeral and was sharing so very clearly, my father did all these things. He provided for our family, all the memories, the food, clothing, shelter, the love, all that was experienced. But then he said, you know what was most important that he shared with us? It was his faith. And this son now embodies this faith. And as he was looking at his father's grave, he also looked over at his kids, nieces and nephews and others that were there and shared that faith then with them. As the people of God were about to enter the promised land, God said, I, I want you to hold on to your identity. Think about your relationship. Think about all the experiences. Never let them slip from your mind. Teach them to your children and to your children's children because this is what's 
really important. Psalm 145, verse 1. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall laud your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Psalm 78 verse 4. We will not hide them from our children. We will tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. It is very easy for us to look at our world and go, you know, it's just not like it used to be. And maybe critique the younger generations. Perhaps we need to look at ourselves first and ask, what kind of faith have I given to the next generation? The good news is you still have time, and so do I, to be reminded that the most important legacy we can offer the next generation is to let them know of a God who so loves them, who is always there for them, who will never abandon them, that if He loved them enough to die for them, He loves them far too much to abandon them. And the way we tell them is by telling them what this God means to us. I invite you, Whose life can you have an impact on? Child, grandchild, niece, nephew, neighbor, Sunday school class, youth group. Who might it be? Not only children, co-workers, neighbors. Have we, the people of God, been willing to pass this amazing love of God to the next generation so that our children can tell their children who can tell their children who can tell their children of a God who so loves the world and that includes you and that includes them. Amen.